Joy. Joy, joy, joy. <clears throat> what do you think of <clears throat> when you hear the word joy? <clears throat> I thought it was very appropriate. At this point in our church, in our world, to continue what I started last Sunday, a message on joy. <clears throat> we need joy, so much joy. Bad news is, Kaylee read, we should not be afraid of bad news as God's people. But there is news coming from the media all the time. Bad news. The economy, food, gas, oil prices rising. Environmental problems. The pandemic. And war across the sea. Not to speak of the struggles you're having in your own life, in your families, in our community. But joy is possible for God's people. And last week we spoke about joy. Joy is a delight or a gladness. And we talked about joy being a characteristic or mark of the disciples of Jesus as a response to the gift of salvation, as a fruit of the Holy Spirit, and as a strength to grieve and to endure trials. Now, I want you to look at this next slide, worldly joy. There's nothing wrong with worldly joy. There are many things that bring us joy, our family, home, friends, employment, sports and recreation, our belongings, material possessions. But what we have to remember is this joy is temporary. This joy does not last. Any one of these things can be taken away from us at any moment. So what we are wanting is a lasting joy. What we're wanting is a joy that never leaves us. And that's what we have as disciples of Christ. So this morning our topic is joy, a gift to the disciples of Jesus. And I want to emphasize this great verse. Jesus said, ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. I love that. Ask. You will receive. And your joy will be complete. Now we need to remind ourselves always that joy is not necessarily a feeling. Although it does have occasional moments of emotional overtones. But joy is really the deep inner sense of the presence of Jesus. It's the deep inner sense of Christ in our souls, our spirits connecting with God through Jesus Christ. So we sing the song, I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. We sing the song, joy is springing up in my heart like a fountain. Or the contemporary chorus, joy is flowing like a river. 
going out from you and me, going out into the desert, setting all the captives free. So today we're going to talk about this gift that is not necessarily a feeling, but is a deep inner sense of the presence of Jesus and what he does for us in our lives, in our souls. So we have joy in believing first. This joy that is a gift from Christ is joy through sharing. And then the gift of joy from Jesus is joy from hearing. So let's talk about joy and believing, the first point this morning. And Jesus said in John 20, 31, These are written that you may believe, and believing you may have life in his name. What a wonderful verse. Believing, you may have life in his name. And I think today, uh, this quote, and we realize that believing is a choice. It's a personal choice that each of us have to make. And if we make the choice to believe in Jesus Christ, we will have joy that never leaves us. We will have joy that is eternal. Joy that is lasting. Joy that is complete. And I think of how what happens when we get this joy. I think of the prophet Isaiah in the 61st chapter, the 10th verse. He says, I delight in the Lord God. My soul rejoices, for he has clothed me with the cloak of salvation and with the robe of righteousness. I want you to remember that. Every morning when you are putting on your outward tail, I want you to remember that as a believer in Jesus Christ, you are clothed with the robe of righteousness and with the garment of salvation. Because you believe. Now let's look at a couple of examples of people who believed and found this joy. Let's visit Thomas. Thomas in chapter 20 of John's Gospel. Now, Jesus, after his resurrection, came and met with the disciples in a room. They were fearing the Jews, so they're locked up in this room. And Jesus appears to them in that room and he shows them his side and his hands and says, Peace be with you. And it says the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. But Thomas wasn't there. Just ten disciples were there. So they went out and it says they told Thomas. It seems like they told him several times because he said they kept telling Thomas, we've seen the Lord, we've seen the Lord. Thomas says, I won't believe it. I think Thomas was in grief. I think he was still grieving the death of Christ. I don't think he, he understood what was happening. And now, Jesus comes eight days later into the same room. Eight days later, he shows up. And Thomas is there. And Thomas has already said, I won't believe unless I can put my hand in his side and touch his hand. The nail prints. So as Jesus arrives, there's Thomas. I love this story. And Jesus says, Thomas, come to me. Come on over here. Thomas, put your hand in my side and touch the nail prints. 
And Thomas says, my Lord and my God. Thomas believed and received joy. And Jesus said these great words. Thomas, you have believed because you have seen. But blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Happy, joyous, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. My mind goes to a young man named John, who sat in a university class, a believer of Jesus Christ, walking with him as a teenager. In his first year of university, and the professor of Brock stands up and he begins to give his great dissertation how there is no God. There's no such thing as God. You know, I always thought that the word atheist was contradictory to call themselves an atheist because if there's no God, there's no opposite. But of course we know there is a God. So as he gave this great dissertation about no God, John raises his hand. Yes, God? Professor, I have a question for you. Yes, John? How much knowledge do you believe you have in comparison with all the knowledge of the world? Professor stops for a moment and thinks. Oh, about the side of the small arm. John says, Sir, don't you think that there could be a God outside of your small arm? The professor had to agree. But then I think of another man, a young man who was a traveling evangelist, well known in Canada many years ago traveled over preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ to many people. And then one day he began to doubt. He began to doubt there was a God. He saw too much suffering and too much illness, children without food, orphans in the world, and he began to be skeptical that there might be a God. He went to his friend named Billy Graham. He said, Billy, you know, I'm becoming an agnostic, which means I'm not sure there is a God. Billy Graham, in his youth, went to what I call a seasoned saint, Henrietta Mears. He says, Mrs. Mears, I'm in trouble. My friend has got me thinking about whether or not there's really a God. Henrietta said, Billy, I want you to take your Bible. I want you to go find a place to pray. Talk to God about this. Billy got down on his knees. He said, Lord, I don't understand everything, but I choose to believe. And that's why Billy Graham always preached the Bible text. He found joy. And we're told about this other man who in his elderly years, Billy's friend, is now in an apartment. Every man nearing death. And he's visited by a man, Lee Strobel, a converted atheist who wrote the book, The Case for Christ. And he visited different people and interviewed them about Jesus. So he visited this man and says, I want to ask you, what do you think about God? No change. 
no change. Why do you think about Jesus Christ? With tears running down his eyes, he said, oh, how I miss him. How I miss him. So there's great joy in believing, as Thomas did and as John did and as Billy Graham did. But let's look at Peter's words in 1 Peter 1, verse 8. He says, though we do not see him, we love him. And though we do not see him, we believe on him. So we are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Now I come to the next one, joy through sharing. Joy through sharing. <clears throat> sharing the message of Jesus. Now, sharing is a wonderful thing. We, we need to share with other people and be outside of ourselves. Because if we just keep things to ourselves and don't share our lives and share our faith and share the things about Jesus, we're missing a lot because there's joy in sharing. And Jesus gave this command in John 20, 21. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Even as my Father sent me <coughs> to proclaim <coughs> salvation. Thank you, Jenna. Even as the Father sent me to die for the sins of the world and give my life and to bring the message of the cross to you, so I am sending you with the message to share. And when you stand in the disciples on Mount Olivet before he ascended to the Father, he said, Go you into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Make disciples of all men. Baptize them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. What is your world? Go into the world. What is your world? Go into all the world. Who is in your world? We all have our own worlds to which we are to minister and to share the message. And sharing is usually one-to-one, -one, although there can be more than one person who shares it. But there's a joy that comes through this. And let's look at the woman of Samaria in John chapter 4. And we covered part of this story last week. This woman came to draw water from the well. And Jesus was sitting there because he was tired and his disciples had gone into the city to buy food. So we entered into this conversation with this woman. She asked him, he said he would give her water that she would never thirst again. And she said, give me to drink. And so then she said, when the Messiah comes, he's going to explain everything to us. And Jesus said, I am the Messiah. You're talking to him. And then, you know, wonderful, I love this verse. The woman left her water pot. Did you notice that? She forgot why she came. She was so taken up with this living water that Jesus was going to give her that she left her water pipe and went to the city. But he said she told everyone that she had found someone is not this the Messiah. And it says many people came to Jesus because of the woman's saying. But now get this. When they found Jesus, they said, now we believe 
or ourselves, not just because of what the woman is saying. And then we look at Mary Magdalene, the other Mary, and this is a great story again. I like the passage in Mark a little also, and in Luke's Gospel as well, about these two Marys. Now Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, remember they were sitting at the tomb when Jesus was buried, and they saw the stone rolled against the tomb. So now on the first day of the week, they're coming with spices to embalm the body of Jesus. And they were in a conversation. I, I, I'm really concerned. Who's going to roll the stone away? After all, they're, they're small women probably and don't have a lot of strength, so who's going to roll this stone away from us? Who's going to do this? How are we going to get into the tomb? But when they got there, the tomb was already empty when they went in. And there was a man, an angel, sitting on the stone, and he said, You're looking for Jesus of Nazareth? He's not here. He's risen. Go tell Peter and his disciples that he's alive and has gone into Jerusalem. Wow. It says these women ran for joy to tell the disciples that Jesus was alive. They shared with them. The woman of Samaria had a relationship with the people in her city. And Mary Magdalene and Mary had a relationship with the disciples. So remember, Sharon is built on a relationship of earning the right to share the message of Jesus with people. But when we do, there's great fruit that happens. And before we do this first, I want you to think of the grain elevator down the road. The grain elevator stores wheat. It's a storage place. And Jesus likens souls being gathered as souls gathered eternal souls into the grinders of heaven. Wow. All these souls that we're sharing with and some people sow the seed, other people pray for the person, other people don't even know the person. But we sow, we water, we pray, we wait, and sometimes there's a harvest. But the reapers all these souls are gathered into the graves of heaven. And it says, what a joy awaits both the sower and the reaper together. We can rejoice. One sows, the other reaps, but God gives the increase. So there's joy from sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. And then let's go into the last point. Joy from hearing. Joy from hearing. Jesus said, I will see you again. And you will rejoice, and no one will take away your joy. That's a blessing curse. Nothing, nothing, and no one can take away your joy. So let's look at joy from hearing this promise. We read this at funerals, and it's, it's good, but we need to hear it now. John 14, 1 to 6, Jesus said, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. I am coming again. He promised he would come again. And I love 1 Thessalonians 4, 16, when Paul says, The Lord himself, not a representative, not an ambassador, not a pastor, 
not a lamb, but the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. His promise to return. He never breaks a promise. And then, to hear about our reward. There is reward, friends. And if there were no reward, we'd still love and serve him. I believe it with all my heart. James 1.12 says, Blessed is he who endures, or happy is he who endures. For when he has endured, he shall receive a crown of life. Oh, to hear those words in that day from Matthew 25. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in a few things. I'll make you a ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. And how grateful we are for God's faithful people, for the people of this congregation who are faithful in their attendance, in their giving, who are faithful to their pastor. Faithful, but most of all, faithful to Jesus. And when we stand before him, you know, all I want when I stand before Jesus is to see a smile. Not only, just a smile. Well done, good and faithful servant. So there's joy from hearing his promise to return and the reward, a crown of life. And let's look at this last verse concerning his promise to return and him giving us a crown of life. Jesus said, Behold, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to everyone according to what he has done. Blessed are those who wash their robes. We go back to the robes of righteousness now, the garment of salvation Jesus gives us when we accept him. Blessed are those who wash their robes that they may have a right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. Hallelujah. I want you to just ponder for a moment to put this last conclusion up. This is a conclusion. Just as you reflect on it, as you see it on the screen. If you've not received the gift of joy from Jesus through believing, this would be a good day to do it. If you have received this wonderful gift, it's time to embrace it again and again. So let us read this together. Let us receive and embrace the gift of joy, believing in him, sharing about him, hearing from his word, while we await his coming.